Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra strong trash bags. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra strong with Arm and Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Change Agent's Dilemma for Tuesday, March 16, 2010 on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Heather Stagel, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do every two weeks on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. This show is one of the many ways I help equip individuals to lead organizational change at Enclaria LLC. The Change Agent's Dilemma is how to influence change without authority. And today, I'm going to be sharing 10 essential tools for change agents. These are the 10 things, well, there's really more than 10, but these are 10 things that effective change agents use to influence change in their organizations. And at the end of the show, I have a special offer just for listeners worth a couple hundred bucks, so you want to stay tuned for that. So first of all, before I get into the 10 essential tools for change agents. I want to talk about who do I mean by change agents. And if you've listened to the show, uh, you probably know already, but uh, it's change agents are individuals within organizations who influence change without having direct authority. So I'm not talking about people in leadership positions who are making change happen. And I think leaders are leaders and change agents are change agents, and they're two different things really. Change agents are people who are really leading from the middle of the organization. Uh, They're in between the leaders of the organization who would like to see change happen and the people who are going through the change itself. And so a change agent is really responsible for getting the change done, but they don't really have authority over the people who are going through it. So it can be a tricky situation, and a lot of times feels like pushing the boulder uphill is what I like to say. I, I know I know what that feeling is like. I've been there. Um, sometimes you hear people say, I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall. You know, It's another symptom of being a change agent. And also, uh, I used to say, I feel like I'm trying to stop a speeding freight train. So if any of those are applicable to you, you're probably in that position of being responsible for change, responsible for implementing change without really having the direct authority to get it done. You have to rely on other people who have authority, which I'll get into. <clears throat> so my own personal background, just to give you a little bit of an idea of where I'm coming from, I started out doing industrial engineering. That was my undergrad degree. Um, I, the first job I had out of school was implementing an MRP system at a fairly large manufacturing company in Chicago. Had numerous plants, and I had to go there and, and train the people and, and develop the processes and all that to figure out how to implement an IT system. From there, I went to another uh, manufacturing company, this time a food manufacturer, also in Chicago and started working specifically on industrial engineering, which is really about how do you improve systems and develop processes to help things be more effective and efficient. Um, In this case, in manufacturing, but it also could be in in any other industry. And being put in that place where, you know, in school, when you talk about industrial engineering, they consider people to essentially be a part of the 
the company mechanism, really. It's just an extension of the machine, really, um, when you talk about people in the context of engineering like that. And so you don't get a lot of foundation of how do people really go through change. Just because I say we should do this process because it's going to be more efficient, it doesn't mean people are actually going to do it. So that's when I started really looking into how does leadership work, how does change work, and started studying that and, and really starting to apply it in the organization that I was at. took on a number of change projects and actually became ultimately the director of organizational effectiveness. So I was working on things like how do we develop process improvement teams and build a team culture and process improvement culture in, in, within manufacturing. How do we, um, another one was improving the suggestion box. How do we get more ideas from our people and how do we get um, more of that innovative culture in the organization? And another one was how do we, I worked with the executive team to develop a balanced scorecard and went through the implementation process on that. So those were three of the key projects that I worked on at this food manufacturer. And even though I had the education, a lot of times it's trial and error, seeing what what will work and what what doesn't. And I learned both, some things that work and some things that don't. Uh, from there, I went on to, uh, when I moved to Atlanta, became a, uh, I joined Balanced Scorecard Collaborative and, and ran, based on my experience with Balanced Scorecard, ran a two-year program called the Office of Strategy Management Executive Working Group where we train people on how to execute strategy in an organization, which when you execute strategy, it's really a large change project for the whole organization, trying to get them all aligned and going in the same direction, right? So from there, I started Enclaria LLC, and my focus is helping people who are in this spot, the same spot that I was in a number of years ago, implementing change in, a, in an organization without really having the authority to do so. And so... Through all that experience, I've developed these 10 things that effective change agents use to influence change in their organizations. Now, I have these numbered 1 through 10, but they're not in, really in any particular order, except that I do have them grouped into three different categories. And the first category is uh, what I'm calling focus. It's really about how do you gain clarity about around your initiative, how do you understand how change works. And so uh, in the focus category, um, and I'll number these so in case you're taking notes or something, <laughs> um, you can uh, track along with me. Uh, the first thing that change agents need is change knowledge, knowing how change works. And there's, you know, there's thousands of books out there, right, that tell you how change works. And, and so I, uh, I've separated this into three different methods, three different types of methods just to help you to zero in on what you're trying to do. The first is large-scale change processes. These are things like if you read John Cotter's Leading Change, that would be one. If you read Daryl Connor, um, Managing at the Speed of Change, those are two um, really important change management books, in my opinion, um, that t they tackle change and from different directions. But they're really all about how does change work in general. So large scale, how does it work in an organization? And the next type of method is the analysis tool. Things like force field analysis, gap analysis, things that come up, um, I'm using keywords I know, but um, action research methodology is one. So really, how do you figure out what you need to do to make change happen? What, or, and even what are you trying to get to? 
would be an analysis tool. And then uh, the third type of method for change knowledge or change methods is to work on specific challenges. So how do you develop teamwork? How do you increase engagement? How do you manage strategy? So that's more of a focus on specifically what you're trying to do. So when you have change knowledge, it really helps you to know what to expect. You know, people don't always fit into categories and, <laughs> and do things the way that you would expect, but at least you'll have an idea of what, in theory, you're supposed to expect, right? So then you can figure out why it didn't match. It gives you an understanding of what's really happening. So not just on the surface, but what's going on underneath in people's minds and in their hearts. And it can also help you to generate ideas for what to do next. You know, if you... Um, people's enthusiasm, especially leadership, if their, their enthusiasm is waning for the project, maybe you need some short-term wins. You would have got that from John Cotter. So maybe you need to generate some successes so people get excited again, that kind of thing. That's what you could do with change knowledge. So that's number one. Number two is clarity. And a lot of times we hear, you need to clarify the vision. You need to communicate the vision. Woohoo, vision. <laughs> and vision is important, absolutely. I agree, you need to know where you're going. But it's kind of like that story of Alice in Wonderland and the Cheshire Cat, when the Cheshire Cat says, well, she, Alice says, where, which way do I need to go? And the Cheshire Cat says, well, where do you want to go? Where do you want to get to? And, and Alice says, I don't know. And <laughs> so the Cheshire Cat says, you could go whichever way you want then. So you definitely need vision. But I think another key piece that really gets the short end of the stick is current reality. What's the current state of the organization? What do you have to work with? What are you starting out with? What are you moving away from? And what do you want to keep? Questions like that you need to answer if you really want to have clarity around your change initiative. And from there, when you know where you are and where you want to go, then you can figure out, well, why aren't we there yet? Why aren't we there already? What's stopping us from doing that? You can identify the barriers and the things that are going to help you to get there and, and figure out what the path is. So the second tool in a change agent's kit is clarity, being really clear about what the initiative is and, and how you're going to, you know, where you're going, where you are, and how you're going to get there. And the third one under focus is your role as the change agent. Your role itself is a tool to use to implement change, to influence change in your organization. Except, here's the thing, you know, it's commonly quoted that only 30% of change initiatives meet expectations. And I attended a seminar last year with Daryl Connor, actually, who's done a lot of research in this area, and his research shows, and this is shocking, that when change agents are involved, that the, the success rate drops. It's more like 20%. It actually drops when you have somebody in the middle who's responsible for the change. But of course, when you have a large organization, you can't do it any other way. The leaders can't do everything themselves, right? So, but when you have that change agent in there, it actually makes it harder to make change happen. And so you really need to strike a balance in your role as change agent with ownership. Because I know, having been a change agent myself, where 
you know, you feel like that project is yours. But really, you need leadership to feel like that project is theirs. So how do you strike that balance between how much you own it, how much you want them to own it, and, and what are the relationships, what are the tasks, what are the key responsibilities for each person? And uh, your key role is really to manage relationships and, with leaders and, and also with the rest of the organization and, and make sure that you're not overstepping your bounds as the change agent and that leadership is doing what they need to do, which I'm going to get to in a minute. <laughs> so um, tool number three in your toolkit as a change agent is your role itself and how you leverage that. <clears throat> so the next overall category of tools for change agents fall into what I call personal influence. So this is one-on-one. -on -one. I'm the change agent and you're someone else in the organization and how am I influencing you personally in order to, to get the organization moving in one direction. And I've got four tools under personal influence category. Um, number four I'll keep going, numbering them one through ten. Number four is your power. Now, a lot of times we don't like to talk about power because that sounds bad. You know, well, power is only bad if you use it nefariously. I guess you use it for bad, for bad ends. Um, power is bad. But uh, and power is kind of hard to measure. I know, um, but you know it when you see it. People who have power have the ability to take action. For example, someone who has a budget can buy things in an organization. Well, that person has power by being able to take action on something, right? People who have power are able to make decisions, especially decisions that affect other people. The people who those decisions affect are, are essentially giving that person power in order to make that decision for them. People who have power are able to model behavior. You know, people don't watch people. <laughs> people don't watch people who don't have power to see what they are going to do. You know, if they don't have power, nobody cares. Um, that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. And then um, people with power have the ability to open minds. Um, people are willing to listen to people who, who have power because they want to know what they think, and that's essentially the, one of the sources of their, their power, right? So when you are trying to influence change without having direct authority over people in the organization, you need to find ways to increase your power so you can increase your indirect authority when you're dealing with people in the organization. So people look to you, even though you may not have authority over them, you still have the ability, the power, to influence them um, just based on um, the power they give you, basically. So as, as I go through this list, um, you can think of it as a task list that or you know a checklist of things you know if you're really feeling like you're rolling the boulder uphill or banging your head against the wall or that kind of thing you might look at this list and say you know where am i struggling or which of these tools am i maybe not using to the the extent that i could or maybe not using at all or not thinking about and and uh, maybe that's one place to look 
so no, I'll continue. Uh, number five is leadership support. So, you know, if you don't have the authority to get things done in the organization, then you need to partner with somebody who does. And, um, you know, I've, I talk a lot with people who say, you know, do you really need to get leadership involved? Some people say you absolutely always have to have the leadership buy-in from the beginning of a project. Um, some people will say that you don't need it until later. I'm one of those. You don't, um, you don't always need to have it exactly up front uh, permission to proceed. Um, but at some point, your project is big enough and is starting to butt up against the rest of the organization that you really need to have that support. And so at least eventually, leadership support is a key tool for influencing change in your organization. And I would say you even need to get beyond buy-in. Buy-in is just permission, really, or, uh, you know, hey, Bob, do you mind if I do this project? And he says, sure, go ahead. That would be buy-in. But I would say that you actually need commitment, which is people acting in favor of your initiative, and even ownership, depending on who you're talking about. Some people, some people in your organization, some leaders, will need to own, own it and really drive it forward. And really, this is, of everything on this list, this is the top one that I hear most often, challenges that people have um, when, when I'm talking to change agents and organizations, where they, you know, there's one person usually that they can think of that is, they feel like is resisting for some reason or that kind of thing, and they, a leader, especially in a leader position or maybe even a peer, that they need to get on board and, and without without having them on board, it's really getting stuck in the mud. So um, how you use leadership support and how you gain it is definitely a key tool in your change initiative. <clears throat> and number six is conversations. You know, the mo I feel like the most important conversations that you can have are the ones that you really, really don't want to have. But conversations one-on-one -on -one, is what I'm talking about with anyone in the organization it can help to get beyond fear and resistance. You know, really trying to develop mutual understanding if someone in particular is feeling like they're resisting if you feel like they're resisting, there's there's always a reason. People don't just resist change because they're going to resist change. There's, there's always a reason for resisting change. And so you might have to have a conversation, a difficult conversation even, to figure out what it is that is blocking that person from getting fully on board with what you're trying to do. So developing a mutual understanding, so trying to understand them and also helping them to understand what you're trying to do can help to do that. You can also provide feedback, especially when I'm talking about the um, getting leadership support. A lot of I think your key role with leaders as a change agent is to provide feedback on how well they're supporting you and the change initiative. So that's another conversation that's really important to have. And you can also preserve relationships by having conversations. Sometimes change can be really tricky, and uh, you want to you don't want to just shove change through without keeping in mind relationships. So conversations is part of that. So that's number six, conversations. 
Number seven is meetings. <clears throat> I need to take a quick drink. Excuse me. Okay. Number seven, meetings. Yes, meetings. <laughs> Nobody likes meetings, right? You're saying she did not just say meetings. Uh, I hate meetings. Okay. Well, you really hate ineffective meetings that are a waste of your time. You know, you want your meetings to be more than just a status update on the project. You really want them to be collaborating to try to drive towards results. You want to be building productive teams. You want people to want to go to your meetings because if they don't want to go to your meetings, then it's that much more of a struggle to get your change through. So whether we're talking about leadership team meetings or project team meetings, there's a lot that goes into making meetings productive. But meetings is one of the key tools that you have because that's where most people spend their time together and driving change forward, right? So those were the four personal influence categories or personal influence tools. The next three are structural influence. Structural influence being the systems that you put in place in the organization in order to, to drive change forward. So number eight is accountability. And nobody likes accountability. You think of Santa Claus and putting you on the naughty list or the nice list and you either get coal in your stocking or you get presents. <laughs> but accountability really is about setting expectations. And you know, um, you may have heard of this Gallup, Gallup uh, questionnaire that over the course of many years they develop statements that um, indicate whether employees will um, be engaged and have high performance. And the top one on the list is, I know what is expected of me at work. So that's the, the biggest statement that predicts employee engagement and performance. I know what is expected of me at work. So accountability, yes, it's a buzzword, and people don't like to talk about it, and you don't have to use the word. But I want you to know what it is, <laughs> um, which is setting expectations, and included in that is communicating some kind of consequences, positive or negative, what's going to happen if I do this, what's going to happen if I don't do this, and then following through on what actually happens. So as, as a change agent, one of your roles in accountability, because if you don't have authority, it's hard to hold somebody accountable. I agree, <laughs> even though you didn't just say that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but as a change agent, you want to see where is accountability not happening and what are the mechanisms you can put in place to help that happen in meetings or, or wherever it's happening or not happening. Uh, figure out what you can do to make it happen. Uh, number nine is incentives. And really, I want to put this in a, a more broad category of motivation. Because incentives, a lot of times, don't work. I've, I have a number of, of things that I've tried that I know didn't work, and I learned a lot from them. <laughs> but the thing is that people um, are not always rational. And what you think they're going to do when they get an incentive is a lot of times not what they're going to do. Because people will find the path of least resistance to get whatever incentive you put out there. Okay, So they may not do everything that you expect them to do. And a lot of times, incentives have unexpected outcomes. So I'd rather look at this more as, you know, incentives is a piece of overall motivation. Because there are a lot of motivation techniques that are not reward-based, 
that do work. Things like uh, peer pressure. Things like, um, say, setting the default on something. Like if you had, um, there was a study done on uh, signing people up for 401ks, for example. Whereas if the default is that you're just automatically signed up for a 401k, a huge number of people would just stay in the 401k program. <clears throat> but the people who were just told, here's the information to sign up for the 401k, a lot less people signed up, that kind of thing. So you can, there's a lot of psychology behind it. I can't go into detail because I don't have a lot of time left. Um, but definitely incentives and motivation techniques are one of the tools you have as a change agent to um, influence change in your organization. And the last, number 10, structural influence, is communication. And, you know, you hear a lot of people say, communicate, communicate, communicate. You have to communicate seven times, seven ways. You know, you get this picture of just flooding people with information. And, of course, that's not effective communication, just bombarding people with stuff. <laughs> um, newsletters and meetings and emails and everything. No, you want to pinpoint the message. You want to get the appropriate message to the right person who needs to hear it. And not only that, but you want them to do something about it, right? <clears throat> so that's the key with communication. And the tool, the tool really is the plan. You can't just wing it when it comes to communication for change initiatives. You need a plan. Of, to help you identify who the audience is, each audience that you're talking to, what do they need to hear, you know, what do they need to do, what do they need to hear, and figure out how you're going to get the message to them. So communication, definitely, you, knew, you already knew this, but specifically how do you get the appropriate message to the right person? Communication is one of the, the essential tools in the change agent toolbox. So I'll go through these just one more time really quickly. Uh, one through ten. Ten essential tools for change agents. Uh, one is change knowledge. Two is clarity. Three is your role as the change agent. Four <clears throat> is your power in the organization. Five is leadership support, meaning the support of the leaders of the organization. Six is conversations. Seven is meetings. Number eight is accountability. Number nine is incentives. And number ten, <clears throat> or incentives and motivation. And number ten is communication. So ten essential tools for change agents. Now, if you wanted to learn more and dig deeper into some of these tools, if you're thinking to yourself, you know, I really could use help with getting leadership support, that kind of thing, uh, there are a couple of ways that you can do that. Um, I have currently on my website available three workbooks that target the three of these ten things. Uh, the first is the Change Starts Here workbook, which is actually free. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter already, I do a monthly newsletter all about how to influence change without authority. <clears throat> and when you sign up for that newsletter, you get the Change Starts Here e-workbook for free. It's all about the clarity piece. What are you really trying to do with your change initiative? 
And then I also have the Beyond Buy-In workbook, which is uh, all about how do you get leadership support. And then also communication. I've got the Pinpoint communi Communication workbook. Again, all of these are step-by-step, fill-in-the-blank workbooks that will help you to make progress on better using some of these tools. So those are some sort of do-it-yourself guides uh, if you'd like to take that approach. Now, if you would like to really dig deep into how do you influence change without authority and, and take a deep dive on all 10 of these, I've got a 12-month program that's dedicated to helping the members influence change in their organizations. It's a combination of training. There's 10 webinars for the course of the year all about you know, a deep dive into each of these topics. <clears throat> Another piece of that is the community aspect. We have support group, call, really support group calls, so helping people to push that boulder uphill together, uh, people who are really in the same boat as you. Uh, so 12 community calls over the course of the year. And also it includes support, coaching support, one-on-one -on -one personal support with me on a particularly sticky issue that you're trying to um, work through. So to find out more about this program, it's called the Influx Change Agent Network. You can go to www.enclaria.com slash influx. And as I mentioned, there is a, uh, I have a special offer only for people who listened up to this point. So if you mentioned that you heard about the Influx Change Agent Network on the radio show, I will give you 10% off the annual membership fee, which is worth $250. So you get the webinars, community calls, personal coaching with me, and most importantly, you get help rolling the boulder uphill. And you get all this uh, for $2,245. So if you're interested in learning more, you simply call me at 678-644-2886. You can visit enclaria.com slash influx and click on Sign Me Up. And either way, we'll have a conversation to see if joining the Influx Change Agent Network is right for you. And there are only 15 spots available. The offer ends when those are gone or by March 31st, whichever happens. Um, so make sure you call me before then to sign up. I have 10 seconds, it says, so this is going to shut off on me, I'm sure, but the recording will keep going, so I'm going to keep talking. <clears throat> the next topic coming up for the radio show is in two weeks, and we're going to be, we have a special guest, Lara Fortis. She is the suggestion guru, and we're going to talk about employee feedback. She's going to give us a number of ways that you can collect employee feedback, that is, feedback from employees on how, for example, your change is going. Um, and that is coming up on Tuesday, March 30th, 2010 at 11 a.m. Eastern. In the meantime, if you'd like to see how we might work together to influence change in your organization, please visit www.enclaria.com. Thank you for listening to The Change Agent's Dilemma. Take care and best wishes for your change initiative. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags, always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. -head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. happy.
Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to Hefty Ultra Strong trash bags. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. 